This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hi, I'm Liz Corey. And I'm Katie King. And this is True True Crime Crime New New England. England. What's up, everybody? Hello, welcome back to another episode. It is so nice to have you join us today. On this lovely fall day. Oh my gosh, guys, when we're recording this right now, there's a brisk chill in the air. It's nice out. Mm. Maybe a hint of color on the leaves. Just a titch. And my God, I left work this morning in a sweatshirt and I was so happy. It was brisk. It was brisk. Wonderful. It's that weather now where in the morning it's really cold. Yeah. And you put on your layers. Mm. And then by lunchtime, you're sweating. Yeah. Because it's like 80 degrees. Yeah. True. And then at night it gets really cold and you're under blankets and it's, it's, I don't mind it though. I don't mind it either. It's ideal for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you guys are loyal listeners, you know I fucking hate the heat. (laughs) Like so bad. So I'm living it up. This is my time. This is a break for you, for yes. sure. The only thing I'm upset about is that means that the daylight savings is coming soon. Yeah. And doing night shift with that is very yeah. mind-fucking. Yeah. There's nothing like going to bed after working all night and waking up in the afternoon to try to make the most of your rare day off and the sun setting right as you're getting ready to go leave and do things. It's not good. No. No. Well, anyway, (laughs) enough complaining about the heat and enjoying the briskness of September. So we have a very exciting update for the last round of swear jar totals. So if you guys remember... The episode prior to this one, episode 61, The Murder of Teresa Duran, we talked about our next foundation that we're going to be donating Mm -hmm. to, and that was before we had added up all of the totals. So right now we're going to tell you the totals of this past 10 episode stretch. Katie, would you do the honors? Because I'm too embarrassed to speak. (laughs) Of course. So our grand total for the Beyond the Rainbow Fund on behalf of Liz's grandmother, we raised $88 in total. Woo! 61 of those were from Liz. (laughs) And 27 were from me. You know, honestly, um, I I just, I even promised my Aunt Kim, she was like, I will, I will, you know, match that donation, but please, like, try to not swear so much. And I was like, you got it. And I hit a record for me, for anyone this time. I think the episode that really (laughs) made me laugh when we were adding them up, like listening and keeping track, episode 55, Herman DeRico. It was a very intense episode, I will say. Uh, Liz, you had 12. (laughs) 
F words. Mm -hmm. I had zero. (laughs) Maybe you weren't passionate enough. How about that? (laughs) I was so caught up in doing like a psych nurse medication lecture on that one that I totally forgot. Appropriately, though, I've already sworn twice in this episode and we're four minutes in. Starting off strong. Starting off off so (laughs) strong. So because of we have $88 that we're donating, my cousin Grace, if you remember, I did mention this, Venmoed me $10 Mm -hmm. to add on. So we will be donating $98. If you guys wanted to match that donation, which you could absolutely do, or you could donate to this Beyond the Rainbow Fund if you wanted, Mm -hmm. um, you can match... The 88, if you wanted to match the 98, you could do that. If you wanted $4, fine. Yeah. That's great. We had a couple people actually agree to match our final donation, so the $88. We're going to have a couple yeah. people yeah. Um, match. But I wanted to say my total of $27 mm-hmm. feels not like a lot. So I personally, anybody matching, please don't do this. I really, you know, the $88, our total, great. I personally am going to be doubling my amount. So instead of 27, it'll be 54. So our total of $88 plus an additional $27 because I'm doubling mine. Nobody do that, please. (laughs) Brings us to $115 plus Grace's $10 donation brings us to $125 total from True Crime New England. Amazing. That's, that's a record for us. Yes, that's insane. That's Thank crazy. you. That blows my mind. That is so awesome. I know you had a couple people saying they would match. Yeah. Um, we had an anonymous person write in and say they would match yes. in remembrance of a loved one that they had lost. Yes. And my coworker Janice said that she would match as well. Oh my gosh. So I'm very curious to see if you guys end up donating, yeah. please message us and let us know just for yeah. our own knowledge so we yeah. have a total. So True Crime New England will be donating $125 in total. That's a record. That's crazy. That's nuts. Just so you guys know, I did not know Katie was going to do that. that for this. I <laughs> saved it. Yeah. I literally, like, we, I had to take a pause because I started to cry. But thank, that's amazing. I was saving that because I added mine up. I'm Ugh. like, $27. That's fucking pathetic. I'm like, I can do better than that. So. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Yeah. It's That's, a great cause. Yeah. It's the whole reason we have the swear jar to begin with. It's because true. your grandmother was like, Liz, please <laughs> stop swearing yeah. on my yeah. yeah. She was not. Again, she loved it. Mm-hmm. Always listened. It was like Thursday morning. You know, she was 81. So she woke up at 5 a.m. just because. And she would listen to it like right away. And she always was like, Oh, I liked your episode today. Why did you have to swear so much? Your co- your friend Katie doesn't swear at all. And I was like, that's not true. So that's incredible. Thank you, Katie, again. Sure. That's wonderful. Um, if you guys want, you can make the donation under, of course, your own name, please. Mm-hmm. Or you can make it under True Crime New England. That's fine. I mean... That maybe sounds a little selfish, but, you know, um, you can do that. Or you can put it under my grandma's name. Her name was Pat Corey. Oh, that's so, yeah. Wouldn't that be, I know, I mean, probably my grandfather would do that. He said he was going to match as well. Wow. Yes, as well as my aunts and my, both my parents, I think, separately said they wanted to. Wow. So, 
Clearly family is everything. Wow, we got a lot of people. Yeah, I'm very excited. And it is a very deserving cause. I don't want to make it sound like seem selfish. I mean, I don't feel it's selfish, but because, you know, my grandma was awesome. But yeah, guys, we will have the link in our Instagram bio. If you can't find it or if you're not on Instagram, you can always email us at mm-hmm. truecrimeny at gmail.com and we can send it to you directly. Um, or you can look it up. It's Beyond the Rainbow Fund through Exeter Hospital in Exeter, New Hampshire. Great organization. Very important. I. It sounds kind of redundant because cancer is very, um, you know, can high mortality but life still goes on when you're getting treated for cancer and bills need to be paid mortgages need to be paid jobs and cars get broken you know everything still happens so the beyond the rainbow fund is a good cause for sure um so and also under instagram we will have a little like you know we'll make a post about it and we've agreed and i'm sure I have to pick a really nice one. Um, we're going to have a picture of my grandma up there, too. So you guys can all see the face behind the um, love of the podcast, but a slightly disapproving <laughs> um, anti-swear kind yeah. of deal, you know? <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm very excited. That's wonderful. It's You guys know my grandma meant a lot to me, so... I don't, I'm sorry, Grammy, that I swore so much. (laughs) Maybe that was a subconscious thing that I was doing for her, but I promised I would get better. Nothing, I've not gotten better. (laughs) It's all right. There's always the next one or the next one. (laughs) Already, we have one episode totaled for this next stretch, and Mm -hmm. already I have five. And you have one. (laughs) Maybe I'm the one that has to step up my game. I'm not saying I agree, but I think you're probably right. So, but yeah, guys, we love doing the swear jar. It's so much fun. Um, And thanks for kind of going along with it. I think people now are kind of like excited to hear totals and, you know, excited to learn the next donation. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's really fun. So thanks for uh, sticking with us for that. Yeah. Speaking of donation, our story today has nothing to do with donations, um, but it's very interesting. <laughs> I'm actually really good at segues. It's a really good one. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to Vermont today. Vermont. So yeah, it's a good one. It's a little historical. Just a titch. A little old. Yeah, but it's a good one. I think it's really interesting. It's well documented too, which is nice. For sure. Mm-hmm. And it is a suspicious, mysterious death. <laughs> and you guys at the end are going to be like... These investigators were on crack. Yeah, um, hello. It's so ridiculous how... Well, you guys, listen, you guys, just keep listening. I promise it'll get... You'll get it. We'll get there. And without further ado, today we will be covering... The, the suspicious, suspicious death of, of Orville Gibson. Let's get started, and per usual, we're going to do our sources. Katie, what do you have for me today? I have Vermont.gov, NewEngland.com, and CBS News. Oh, okay. I have Daily Mail Online, 
myshamplainvalley.com, VT Digger, and a very nice, helpful thread from Reddit. Ooh. I love Reddit. I love a Reddit thread. Mm. So a great source, and then also people throwing in their own theories or very little details that, you know, add up. I like it. Oh, it's so good. It's awesome. All right, everyone. Let's get started. I'm going to tell you just a little bit about Orville Gibson. This story takes place in 1957. At this point, Orville Gibson was 47 years old, and he was married to a woman named Evelyn, and they owned a dairy farm in Newberry, Vermont. Together, they didn't have any children, so it was just them and this dairy farm, and it was great. Um, in 1957, this year, the Gibsons had been living and running this farm for 10 years, so it was like their place, and it was successful. He actually purchased the farm out like right before it was foreclosed, and he ended up completely turning it around. So he, he's a businessman, mm -hmm. for sure. And he's a hard worker, and so is Evelyn. So they really kind of built it back up. According to neighbors and the people of the town, the couple was quiet. Um, people seemed to like Evelyn more than they liked Orville. Yeah. <laughs> um, in fact, it's kind of claimed that Orville wasn't like super liked around town. Um, one of the reasonings that some of my sources gave was that it was because he wasn't born in Newberry, Vermont. So people were like, you're an outsider, get away. But wow. that feels a little silly. Yeah. I don't know if that's 100% true, but who knows? He was kind of, he was known to have a bad temper, which who among us, right? Um, and he also made enemies kind of easily. So it just, I'm not trying to paint a negative light on him. I'm just telling you the facts that he was probably introverted it sounds like not even so much like maybe he was a little bit of a jerk but he was also introverted and a very hard worker and probably stressed out all the time he sounds like a gruff farmer and farmers have yes. horrible schedules like they don't really have time to socialize and go make friends or sleep right yeah. they're awake at the wee hours yeah doing farm chores they go to bed at probably seven o'clock at night because oh. they wake up at God knows what time. It's crazy. Exactly. Um, despite this, though, some people did like Orville, and he was known to be actually very helpful for some older residents uh, around town and was often doing chores and things for these people. So he has some good and some bad. Clearly, he has his people, and then he's mm -hmm. also... People just sometimes rub the wrong way. Fine. On December 31st, 1957... Orville woke up to leave his home at about 3.30 in the morning to start his daily chores. That's so crazy to me. And that was his routine. He always yes. woke up at that time. He always went out to go and milk his cows. And he had to get to his farm. So he had his farmhouse, obviously. Yeah. And to get to the farm itself, mm. he had to walk across a state highway that actually divided his property in half. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's a picture somewhere. Um, you can see the farmhouse, mm -hmm. and you have to walk across. Granted, Newberry, Vermont is not busy. When right. we see a state highway, especially at 3.30 in the morning, no one's going to be around. There may be one field mouse. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. And it's December, too. It's cold. Right. So he has to walk across the state highway to go to the barn. Hmm. By the time he gets up, gets dressed grabs his milk pail to do the milking. Classic. He goes into the barn. It's roughly 4 o'clock in the morning, mm -hmm. and he flicks on the lights. Great. 
this is the last time Orville was seen alive. Orville's wife Evelyn called the state police outpost in Newberry at about 6.30 in the morning when Orville did not come back from his chores. Right. And she noticed that the chores were neglected, not done, which is very unlike him. Yeah, and he was, like, nowhere to be found. Right. She calls the police. They show up. Responding officer Larry Washburn was just coming off the night shift, and he decided to head to the scene while he waited for the other officer, William Graham, to start his shift and also get there on scene. Yeah, and what was interesting, too, is that Evelyn... You know, she was panicking. She went to the barn. She was like, why hasn't my hubby come back for breakfast? They had breakfast together every morning. So she went out to the barn, discovered exactly what you said. And she also ran into one of their farmhands. And she said, hey, have you seen Orville? Like he's, I made him pancakes or whatever. The farmhand said that he had been there since 5 a.m. And he had not seen Orville once. So now it's like roughly 7, 7.30 a.m. And it's been at least two hours since he disappeared. Mm -hmm. Once William arrived, the two state troopers went to the barn and they found kind of a rough scene. Yeah. Um, definitely signs of a struggle. Oh, it sounded like as soon as I read that, I was like, okay, who had a tussle in here? There was a few things that kind of led them to believe that. One of them was that um, the milk pail the aforementioned milk pail was dented, which it was not before when he left, you know, use the equipment that you got if it still works fine, but it was not dented when he left. So they were like, that's weird. And they also noted that there was, I don't know if this is important or not, but I thought it was interesting. They noted that there was like sacks of grain mm -hmm. that were, you know, sitting in the barn for the animals. And there was two like depressions in two different bags like people were sitting on them could that be something like orville was sitting with someone and then there was an argument or something like that maybe right or maybe two people were waiting sitting there waiting for him to walk in good point question mark exclamation point <laughs> that's a good theory and then there was one final detail that made people especially the investigators go hmm that's weird and that was the uh, trail of feed and straw that left the barn and traveled some distance to a bridge nearby. Mm -hmm. And it was a distinct, I don't know if, if this is like something farmers have that they're proud of or whatever, but he had a very distinct mix of animal feed and straw. And so they were able to follow that trail and were like, that's definitely from the Gibson farm. Yeah, Orville's brother-in-law actually identified it and was like, every farmer has, it's called silage yes. or silage. silage, I don't know. Yeah, but it's, it's kind of like their trademark. Yes. Like, every farmer has their own mix of mm -hmm. grain and hay that they swear by. Yeah. Like, the perfect mix for their cows, for and their, yeah. this one makes the best milk because of my feed, and it's, it's yeah. a whole thing. It's like a badge of honor. Oh, yeah. So, Orville's brother-in-law was able to look at it, and I imagine he's like, sifting through like picking it up like yep this is orville's yeah he uses this specific yeah maybe a little taste test yeah <laughs> oh my god who knows but yeah he was like this is orville's mm -hmm. it is specific to him right nobody else in the whole area would have this specific blend it's orville's right and i think i do want to note the brother-in-law mm -hmm. speaking of was named freeman placey now you say brother-in-law you'd think okay it's either his siblings 
husband or maybe Evelyn's siblings. Okay, Evelyn dated this man. She used to date this man. And they broke up and now Freeman is married to her sister. So it's a little, I just thought the, the dynamic was a little weird. Yeah. But I thought that was an interesting detail. For sure. So, but he's, I guess they all get along. He was very helpful. Um, and he was the one, like you said, Katie, he scooped up that silage and took a big whiff or ate a <laughs> bit of it or whatever and said, yes, this is, I know this. Right. I'm familiar with this. It's definitely a Gibson farm mm-hmm. kind of thing. So they were like, okay, what the fuck happened? And Why? And where are, where is he? Right. Where did Orville go? <laughs> like, it was just so unlike him mm-hmm. to n- disappear. And also, they were looking at the trail of silage in the dented milk pail. And they were like, okay, something is adding up to a not great outcome. So they kind of looked and talked to Evelyn and family and friends and said, has anything happened recently that maybe would cause him to go missing? And sure enough... There was. Indeed. Mm, Indeed. A few days before his disappearance, Orville was served a breach of peace summons for an altercation he had gotten into with one of his hired help men named Ari Martin. The town gossip kind of floating around was that Ari had spilled two cans of milk, Mm. really big cans of milk. Yeah. Liquid gold. For yeah. a dairy farmer, perhaps? Absolutely. And Ari spilled the milk. Oh, no, don't cry over spilled milk. Orville, it's okay. Oh, literally. Orville beat the shit out of him. Yeah. This is the rumor. Orville right. beat the shit out of him, broke multiple ribs, Yeah. bruised a kidney, landing Ari near death in the hospital. Yes. Not true. <laughs> there was an altercation. Yes. He was served a summons. That's fact. Right. Ari was just hungover. Huh. He had a couple bruised ribs. The yeah. kidney pain might be from excess alcohol consumption. Just maybe throwing that out there. True. Orville got a few punches in before he's like, Ari, go home. Right. Get out of my face. Go home. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, it was an altercation. And the thing, too, is this town has a really wide and loud rumor mill. Yeah. Like, it's all speculation and rumors um, about that situation. But what wasn't speculation and rumors was that most people didn't like Orville and a lot of people liked Aerie. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like immediately Orville was the bad guy. And maybe he was, but there's also a possibility that something else happened and Aerie was a bad guy. Too. You know, it's just not... Regardless, Aerie walked away okay at the end. You know, his kidney was a little blue, but he was fine. <laughs> Um, you know, they said that Ari had been working for the Gibsons for five years. Like, they, he was a well-trusted, good worker. Mm-hmm. So, some, it's very bizarre to me that spilling a pail of milk, a very heavy pail, I get that profit, it sucks. But something tells me that he wouldn't be so set off by that. Something had to have happened. Like a precursor. Yeah. You know? So it's very interesting. My understanding of what happened with the actual altercation, mm-hmm. aside from, you know, the town rumors and adding on to things like a game of telephone, it gets mixed up as the story goes on. The altercation happened a couple days before Christmas. Yeah. 
Orville gave Ari a $25 bonus. Which, back then... Back in the 50s... Is $8 million. <laughs> in rural Vermont? Yeah. That's that's pretty good. That's a great, honest, a generous thing. Right, a Christmas bonus. That's really nice. Yeah. Ari, for reference, is kind of a tiny, <laughs> skinny man. Yeah. 56 years old. He lived in the tenant house with his wife and four kids on the Gibson farm. Okay, yeah. He'd worked there almost five years, like you said, Liz. They had a pretty good working relationship. Yeah. On the night in question, Orville had noticed that Ari was pretty drunk. Oh. Maybe he had spent the bonus on alcohol. Oh, okay. And was kind of celebrating, partying. Orville told Ari, go home, sleep it off. I don't need you working on the farm when you're drunk off your ass. Right. And that's fair. Safety. Is an right. issue, for sure. Ari, I guess, got kind of belligerent. You know, fuck you, you can't send me home, I'm gonna do my job. Mm-hmm. And flipped over a wheelbarrow, and the wheelbarrow had the two cans of milk in it. The two cans of milk, for reference, are 40 quart cans. That's like, total, like, 80 pounds. That's a lot of milk. That's a lot of cash money for That's, a dairy farm. Yeah. When he flipped over the wheelbarrow, it rolled down a ramp, like the house ramp mm-hmm. nearby, and the wheelbarrow handles smacked Ari really good in the ribs. Ouch. Orville said, okay, your pay is going to be docked for the milk that you spilled. That's a lot of milk. Yeah. Go home. You're drunk. And Ari follows Orville back into the barn. Orville pushes him out physically. Get mm-hmm. out of my barn. Get off the farm. Go home. Mm. Ari goes home, tail between his legs, <laughs> tells his wife and kids, Orville beat him up, yeah. cracked his ribs, injured his kidneys, yeah. when really the understanding of it sounds like Orville just kind of pushed him out of the barn right. and the wheelbarrow handle smacked him in the ribs and yeah. that's what caused his injuries. Which, when you have pails of milk or even anything in a wheelbarrow, with enough force, ow. Mm-hmm. Absolutely ow. Mm-hmm. So that, I believe it, that checks out for sure. And, you know, like I said, people were believing Ari and they were pissed. People were saying, even a sheriff was recorded as saying that he should be tarred and feathered. Like, are you serious? That's so, I mean, I'm not surprised because it's a law enforcement officer, but, (laughs) you know, like that's, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. Um, Regardless if he did beat him up, like it's not 1742. You know? Right, we're not stoning people to death in the town square. No, it's ridiculous. <laughs> in between the incident with Ari and the disappearance of Orville, there was some strange phone calls. Strange, threatening phone calls. Which obviously would make a person uneasy, especially Evelyn, who was usually the one who answered the phone. Mm-hmm. So that was, I think that's, an important detail in the story because it kind of points to the ultimate conclusion of maybe Orville was a beat up, abducted, murdered, kidnapped, whatever, that it was due to someone else and not him. Mm -hmm. So that is definitely an important detail. One of the phone calls, it was a man on the other end. And Evelyn answers the phone like, hello, Gibson household. Something really cute. Like <laughs> yeah. something farmer's wifey. Yeah. Moo moo, it's <laughs> Evelyn. Just kidding. Something really cute. Right. Something yeah. really sweet. Yeah. 
the man stated, tell your husband we heard about the Christmas party he gave Eric Martin. If he comes down to the village, we might be able to arrange a New Year's party for him. Oh, God. Over that one week, she received six anonymous postcards promising revenge for Ari. Wow. People are pissed. Postcard threats are like a whole nother level. (laughs) I wonder what was on the front of the postcard, right? (laughs) Welcome to Newberry, Vermont. Yes. And on the back, we're going to fucking kill you. You better watch out, Orville. (laughs) It's like a beautiful pasture of cows, and, and it says something quirky like, come milk the baby oh, i don't fucking know and Get then on the, fresh maple syrup here yes and then the back it's like we will behead you and bury your body upside down in a shallow grave but then there's cows so it's pretty that's nuts oh my god that's so wild six calls mm-hmm. and, it, and it wasn't even a full week it was like just barely a week right that's and it was 1957. People didn't use... The phones were a thing, of course, but they weren't like... Not every household had one. Mm-hmm. Interesting. On the night of December 30th, Evelyn noticed a large number of parked cars and several visitors over at the Ari Martin house. She could kind of look out her window and see because he lived on the property. Right. There were a couple other parties going on, like leftover Christmas parties, New Year's Eve parties. The Gibsons weren't invited to any of them. Ouch. Was this unusual? Not really, because they can't really be out going to parties when they have to be awake at three o'clock in the morning. That's fair. However, this time it seemed personal. Mm. Like they were purposely excluded. Yeah. It didn't really bother them. You know, they're going to bed. It's like eight o'clock at night. They're going to bed. Orville wakes up at 3.30 in the morning, Mm. gets dressed, grabs his milk pail, Mm. goes to the barn, and is never seen alive again. Right. Suspicious. And I feel as though, I mean, we both went to college. I feel like parties usually carry on into the wee hours of the morning when maybe your adjoining farmer would go start his chores. And you'd still have guests out there probably drunk, probably riled up, maybe? Talking about how it's so unjust and the whole thing's unfair. Right. And... Maybe writing another postcard or two. Right. Addressed to Orville saying we're going to kill you. Absolutely. So initially, you know, the police did search for Orville. And um, like we said, he was supposedly dragged or brought to because of the path of the straw, the animal feed, to the Connecticut River Bridge. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the trail stopped, and you can kind of figure out maybe he uh, was thrown overboard. Um, So the police did look everywhere, and they did try and comb the river, but it's January 1st. It's frozen. Mm -hmm. And it remained frozen or sloshy or unable to really be investigated until, like, early March, when it started to kind of warm up a little bit. Mm -hmm. So on March 7th, Just about three months later, um, in 1958, the police officially called off the search. They were like, sorry, you know, like it's not, we looked the river and it's just not, he's not here. And then um, not 13 days later, uh, after the search was called off, troopers um, 
discovered something that maybe uh, they should have kept looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It happened to be Orville's body. Mm-hmm. 7.5 miles downstream of where he was, quote, dumped. Katie, let's talk about the condition of his body and the aspects of his body. The two state troopers, probably the only two in all of Newbury, Vermont, but the, but the two right. that were assigned to Orville's case, yeah. were kind of on a, a boat ride to clear their heads, you know. Mm. And it's crazy to me because one of the guys, William, sure. suggested to the other one, Larry, hey, I've been reading this forensics book. And, you know, the forensics book mentions that if a body is put in the water when it's cold, once the water temperature starts to warm up, it will speed up decomposition and the body will start to be filled with gases. Yeah. And the gases will allow the body to come to the surface. Right. So while we're on our joyride, let's just keep that in the back of our mind. That's just a little fun fact I read in my book. Right. They're going through the river. Yay, it's March. And William goes, oh, that thing in the river, it looks like a muskrat house. Ooh. Like a a muskrat little kind of habitat. Sure. And he's like, you know what? That's too far in the water to be one. Usually they like to stick to the shore. Holy shit, that's a body. Oh, shit. The body of Orville was kind of blackened with decomposition. It was in pretty okay condition because it was in frigid waters. Right. Kind of sort of preserved. Yeah. Um, He was still wearing his clothes that he had been in on the day he disappeared. Mm -hmm. But something was observed that was pretty notable, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. No, I share that opinion with you. (laughs) Um, his wrists were bound tightly mm. under his thighs, and then the bindings of that was cinched to his legs, and his legs were also bound. Right, like at the ankles. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like a hog. Like, like a ho- fully yeah. hog-tied. Absolutely. Incapacitated. Yep. Can't move. What the hell? Obviously, to you and I, Katie, and to you, listener, what does that tell us? He was clearly killed. Murder. Murder. Right? Obvious. No. I guess not. (laughs) I guess not. So, here's the thing. Of course, this is the sad part. To be sure, they identified Orville via dental records, which, you know, his body was, like, mummified and black. You know, it was, like you said, well-preserved enough, but they still had to, like, confirm. For sure. So, of course, you know, medical examiners take his body and they're like, let's do an autopsy. This is fucked. Um, What they found was that his death was a homicide and that he died via asphyxiation. Okay? Fair enough. Makes sense. Here's the thing, everyone. And I would like... So his body, of course, was found in the river and that's obvious and whatever. He had no water in his lungs, meaning that when he was put into the water, he was no longer breathing. So, clearly he had died before he was in the river. Okay? Are we all following so far? (laughs) Seems pretty straightforward. You would hope. He's hogtied. Right. All of his limbs, hogtied. He died before he hit the water and just, you know, floated there for however long. Um, And like you said, he was wearing his clothes, and he also had a wallet on him. 
um, which had a whole $3 in it. And this is important because to the police, it ruled out robbery. Now, $3 is a lot more than it is today when it's in 1958. Um, it probably was at least $2,000. Just kidding. Not even <laughs> close. But, you know, enough where it, he could have been robbed, but he mm-hmm. wasn't. So that's important. So another interesting thing about Orville's body is he had one physical injury, and it was like a gash on his face. The interesting part, and maybe it's just speculation and like trying to figure out what it's from, but the police and the investigators determined that the shape and length of the wound matched the dent in the milk pail that they found in his barn. So that's suspicious. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think, uh, like we've, let's recap. Orville gets in a fight. He disappears a week later. Three months later, he's found in a river, bound and not drowned. Homicide. Clearly. Yeah. No, Katie. (laughs) No, 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 no. Here's the thing. No. Our boys, William and Larry... Are like guys we can't quite rule out suicide what mm. okay okay all right let's let's explore that because they were like you know it's really not uncommon for farmers especially dairy farmers in this area to resort to suicide right you know the farm that Orville purchased was on the verge of foreclosure right it's not uncommon for farms to be very hit or miss. Mm. However, Orville really turned the business around. It was booming. Like, mm-hmm. he was doing very well for himself. They were thinking, you know, oh, he's a farmer. He probably offed himself. Mm. Um, he did get a summons. He was kind of upset about the summons. Sure. Maybe he killed himself because he got that summons. No! Here's the thing. Logistically, I'm trying to picture hitting myself in the face with my own milk pail and then hog tying myself and then taking my own life while hog tied when I can't move any of my limbs. Right. And then dying and then having my corpse mystically, magically, after I'm dead, end up in the water. Right. So that's literally exactly what the medical examiner well, he said that it was homicide, but right. these police and the investigators were like, exactly what you said, Katie. They were like, that makes the most sense. <laughs> like, he tied himself up, died, and then rolled off the bridge. <laughs> Duh. The wind blew his corpse yeah. into the... Like, give me a break. So, so ridiculous how yeah. dumb and not even possible that theory is. And one of the state troopers on his case, William was just spewing knowledge about forensics from a textbook. Don't you want to... What? Like, I How do you know about forensic stuff and you're so fascinated by it and you're a state trooper for a living and yet you look at someone who is bound and would be completely immobile and you compare it to the autopsy where the medical examiner is screaming from the rooftops talking to a brick wall, basically, saying right. it's homicide. And they're like, okay, thank you so much for your input. Um, suicide. So ridiculous. I can't even, like, literally, I can't even deal. One of the medical examiners, not the one who originally did the autopsy, but a different one, literally during a trial that they had ended up having, went on the stand and demonstrated how he could hogtie himself. 
just oh, to be petty. Oh, but here's the thing. Hog tie yourself and then die and then go into the <laughs> river. That's right. That's where you get me confused. Mm-hmm. Right? Indeed. You need to, once you're dead, you need to have help getting into the river. Right. Just saying. So to their credit, they did end up pursuing possible leads mm-hmm. as to who could have murdered Orville. They haven't really ruled out one or the other. Right. Um, they're kind of leading towards suicide. Medical examiner saying homicide. They're like, okay, let's just explore all our options here. Fine. Two men from the area, Ozzy Welch, who was the high school janitor, and Frank Carpenter, who was actually very well known to police, always drinking, always fighting, the two men were eventually charged with the murder of Orville Gibson. Interesting. This was based on a witness testimony from a doctor. His name was John Perry Hooker. He said that he was driving on the highway... That divided Orville's property that we talked about, that Orville has to cross that probably two-lane, quote-unquote, highway to get from the farmhouse to the barn. Mm -hmm. This doctor, John, said that he was driving on that road by Orville's property, and he saw a two-toned Kaiser sedan and several men parked on the side of the road, kind of using Orville's barn to conceal that they were there. Right. So the way that Orville would have left his house and gone to the barn, he wouldn't have been able to see the sedan or the other men. Mm-hmm. John is driving. Granted, it's about 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it's early. He's looking and he goes, oh shit, I know that guy. That is Ozzy Welch. I know him because he's one of my patients. Oh, well, that's HIPAA. First of all, that's HIPAA. <laughs> he's breaking HIPAA right now. When patient- HIPAA, was HIPAA a thing in the 1958? No, Probably not. no. Perfect. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was like within our lifetime. Yeah, it was it's, pretty. It's like fairly recent. But yeah, maybe in the 90s. Yeah, right. So John is like, okay, that's Ozzy. That's my patient. I know who that is. Right. The car belonged to that guy Frank. Mm. So they're thinking, okay, those two are responsible. They were waiting behind the barn to ambush Orville. There were the two dents in the grain yeah. sack. Maybe they were sitting in the barn yeah. to wait for him. Absolutely. Um. Unfortunately, there wasn't a whole lot of evidence because the two men ended up being acquitted in separate trials. Ridiculous. Um, William Graham and Larry Washburn, the two state troopers, as well as a group of investigators for the state of Vermont, kept looking for more information, but nothing ever really came up. Right. Um, Those two guys ended up being acquitted and nothing really came of anything. Yeah, and they didn't um, even really factor in if it was Ari Martin. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, he was heard and witnessed saying in the days after um, his disappearance, um, Orville's disappearance, that he was defending Orville and saying that, like, you know, like, this didn't happen. We always had fights, but we always got over it. Like, he was kind of going back on his statement. Mm -hmm. So they never questioned him or... And nothing came of that, and he ultimately... I personally think he's innocent. He was innocent anyway, but the timing is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Almost like vigilante justice yeah, kind of thing. And unfortunately, to this day, there are quite literally still no answers mm-hmm. for what happened to Orville to get him to that spot. I think the theory with the two men, Frank and Ozzy, very possible, very likely. Especially if they've been drinking all night, mm. hanging out with their buddy Ari at his house. Yeah. Right. The next barn door. is in view. Yeah. 
Ari can say, yeah, he gets up at this time right. every morning. Yeah. And they've been drinking, they're belligerent, they're probably talking shit about Orville. Right. And they're like, oh, would you look at that? It's 3.30 in the morning, he's going to be out any second, let's go wait behind the barn yeah. as we're drunk and belligerent and <sighs> get some revenge for right. our buddy Ari. So ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so ultimately his death was ruled a homicide mm-hmm. by the medical examiner, but there are still people who believe that he killed himself. Yeah. Which, honestly, we're not laughing at his death. We're laughing at the idea of him dying and then rolling down a hill into a bridge. You know, like, into the water. Scientifically, medically, common sense-wise, doesn't make sense. No. So... Evelyn Gibson sold the farm and moved downriver to Orford, New Hampshire, where she remarried and lived quietly until her death in 1973. Mm. Anyone with any information on the suspicious death of Orville Gibson is asked to please call Vermont Captain Dunlap at 802-244-8781. Awesome. Listeners, if you were born before the year 1957, in Vermont, and you have information about this case, send it our way. Mm-hmm. We'll first send it to Captain Dunlap, and then send it our way, because that's really nuts. I just thought researching this case was very interesting because of that detail of, yeah, he killed himself, which is like, how dumb do you have to be? But the the altercation beforehand, right. and then the silage leading up to the bridge. It's all very interesting and bizarre. Right, and just the whole very small town, rural Vermont, dairy farmer, drama. Rumor mill. Very, inter- very New England to me. Very small town New England. So small town New England. Yeah. Like, truly. Oh, my God. So, guys, we want to know what you think. Do you think that Orville killed himself? Tell us why. Do you think that he was murdered? Correct. Tell us why. You can let us know at our Instagram and Twitter, which is truecrimene. All lowercase. And you can send us an email at truecrimene at gmail.com. You could also venture over to our website, truecrimene.com. We have a handy dandy submission tool where you can send us your thoughts on this case, other cases we've covered, suggestions for cases that you would like for us to cover. Based in New England, please. Please. We would also love questions, comments, concerns, feedback, compliments, nice things. (laughs) Maybe. And you always have the option to be anonymous. Just make sure if you send us a case that you'd like for us to cover, make it really clear that you want to be anonymous because Mm -hmm. if you suggest a case to us and we cover it and your name is there, we'll give you a shout out. Yep. But yeah, and also please do not forget before we go, um, you can head over to Spotify if that is your preferred location of listening you could leave a star rating or if you're more of an apple podcast type person you could head over there and you could leave a star rating as well as if you so choose a written review yes and we appreciate any and all feedback Mm -hmm. and guys once again if you do want to match or make a donation to beyond the rainbow fund you can head to our instagram um, and the link will be in our bio Mm -hmm. and if you can't find it if you're not on instagram shoot us an email and Katie or I will respond with the link. Or you can go online, um, Beyond the Rainbow Fund through Exeter Hospital. It will bring you to a page where you have to choose the foundation that you're um, donating to. The Beyond the Rainbow Fund is the very first option. Sweet. All right, guys. And um, with that, we'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye.
Thank you.